Thank you for listening to a Christ-centered message from Grace Community Church. We are committed to proclaiming the authority of God's Word without apology and trust that you will receive encouragement as we study today's passage together. Let's go in our Bibles together. We're going to open to the book, the final book of the Bible, Revelation. And let me just say, we had no idea when we planned to enter into the book of Revelation. In the spring, we planned this. We had no idea that the world would be on fire the week before we would open our study in this book. In every age, in every generation, there has always been the thought, this is it, things can't get worse than this. And as we unpack our study of the Word of God, you will bear the responsibility with me as a shepherd to this congregation as you pray for me and you pray for those who deliver this message as the aim, the role of a shepherd, the responsibility is to lead the flock, to guide the flock, to protect the flock and feed the flock. And so our aim as we come to this book in the Bible is that we find the encouragement that we need. It's been the joy and the honor of my life over the last almost decades now to go through so many books in the Bible. If I was just choosing a topic week by week, I would already be committed somewhere. I would be done. I would spend five days of my week trying to land on what's my next message going to be. Oh, I already preached that one. I've got to find another one. But to simply go through the Bible book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, and let the text drive the message, not our opinions, not the news, not the media, not our feelings. What does God have to say? Wasn't that a fitting? I mean, you're starting to think, maybe he is really wise to plan out the New City Catechism and the world events and all of these things. The Lord is, he's he's so good to me. This is the final book of the Bible. It's perhaps the greatest literary masterpiece of all time. The genre that's in this book, the majesty that's in this book, it's a fascinating book and it's perplexing, right? By God's grace, in the next year, we'll make our way through this. And you see on the screen, the series is what the book is all about. It's about the unveiling of Christ, Matter of fact, that's what the entire book is about. That's what this whole book is about, is the unveiling of Christ. This book is not about you, and it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And we get brought up into the story that's the greatest story. And whenever people try to make the Bible a roadmap for my life, make God revolve around me, it's always going to end up in bankruptcy. Have you ever looked at a painting up close, I mean, get really close to where maybe you zoom in on a, on a computer monitor and you get down to one pixel, two pixels. You know, there's even a game this way, like how, how far do we zoom out until you get what the picture is? 
I want you to keep that image in mind as we go through Revelation because where people can get it wrong drastically is when they zoom in so tightly on this part of the book of Revelation, and it's not Revelations, it's the unveiling, not the unveilings of Christ, it's the unveiling of Christ, and when you zoom in too tightly, then you miss what this book is. And so we want to be careful on that, that we will not just become overly obsessed with signs and judgments or even timelines, and then we miss, we lose sight of the overarching theme of this book. If you're there in Revelation 1, uh, before I read today's text, just down in 19, just look at that. Here's what we can see a helpful outline of the entire book is right in the first chapter where John is told, write therefore the things that you have seen, that's past, those that are, that's present, and those that are to take place after this, that's future. So that's a helpful, just in the, in the prelude to the book, a helpful understanding of what, is, what are we going to be seeing in this book. Now, Revelation was written to churches. It was written for the church at large, and they were experiencing persecution. So keep this in mind by way of introduction. This book was given to people who were, who were suffering or about to suffer greatly. Is that how you often think of Revelation? If someone is drowning, do you throw them an anchor or do you throw them a life preserver? When people were drowning in persecution and suffering, then Jesus comes, the angel comes, the message comes to John to give people hope, to give people there's going to be victory and you're not going to win it. He will. And every eye will see him. So this book was given so that we as believers can live in confidence. If somebody doesn't know Christ, then you should feel the floor fading out from under you. You should feel that string, that little strand of sovereign grace that is holding you out of hell at this moment. You should hear it stretching because you're not protected. You're not clothed in the righteousness of Christ, but it's available to you as long as you are alive. So you would reach out to this Christ. Know that God is at work in our chaotic world. He is always at work. And so we have to be reminded of this truth often. And if we get the message of this book rightly, it's going to change how we live today. And it's going to change how we live tomorrow. It's going to change everything about our lives. Revelation was written during the final decade of the first century. The Apostle John penned this book about 80, 94, 95, 96, somewhere in there near the end of the Emperor Domitian's reign. He reigned from 81 to 96. This is during the final centuries of the Roman Empire. Roman Empire lasted about a thousand years. So if you put the, you know, if you put um, Russia and you put U.S. in there, you put Great Britain, that doesn't come up to the Roman Empire. Now, that's going to be important when we think about what seems like it's been here forever and what seems like it will last forever. And when you see on the world stage people that they just seem so powerful and what can ever change the course of events, read your Bible. These people in Rome were so confident so self-saturated, so obsessed with perverse sexuality. It brings an end 
check your history books, to every civilization when all moral boundaries are gone. So loved ones, the churches that we're going to get into in chapter 2, chapter 3, those churches were strong, vibrant, healthy churches in the mid-60s. Jesus, about 30, 33 30 years later, these churches, the mission is on mission. Churches are growing. It's vibrant. They're healthy. 30 years later, we're going to see some of them are struggling horrifically, miserably. And the letter is given to them. And we take away from this that every church in every generation must do what Jude says, earnestly contend for the faith. Every church, every generation. You listen to me, young people. It's not just the responsibility of your parents and your grandparents. You have to take hold of truth. You have to sink your roots down. What do I believe or am I easily swayed by all of my friends and social media? Is that how much I believe anything? Every church, every generation must earnestly contend for the faith. So may the Lord help us. May the Lord refine us. May he strengthen us by his spirit as we engage into this study, the book of Revelation. It's a mountaintop, right? We're going going to need some oxygen in this one, all right? We're going to be training and praying, and the Lord will unfold his word to us. Let's go there. Revelation chapter 1, beginning with, with verse 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we absolutely need your help, the help of your spirit, to be able to rightly understand, to treasure in our hearts, to apply to our lives the truth of your word. So we together... In this moment, we're inviting you to help us. Maybe just where you are, say, Lord, quietly in your heart, help me. Help us to hear. Help us to understand. And then help us to put your word into application in our lives. All for the glory of Jesus in whose name we pray, and all God's people said, amen. So how do we approach this study? Many people, maybe you're one of them, consider Revelation to be intimidating, scary, like stay out of that book. It's confusing, not going near it. But I trust that our study in Revelation will bring clarity, comfort, and encouragement to you. This book is several different types of literature. It's apocalyptic, it's prophetic, and it's a letter written by John to the churches. This was not written to induce fear or confusion on the part of God's people, but it was written to give faith and clarity. Okay, so not fear, not confusion, but faith and clarity. 
So can we be humble enough to admit that if we're studying our Bibles and we come away confused or anxious, then either we're not studying properly or we're not yet sheltered in Christ. He will help us with this. We should avoid two extremes, okay? There's one extreme, and I sensed some of this growing up in movements I was in, and that was wishing our lives away. Like, if Jesus would just come, if Jesus would just come. And, it would, you know, and I thought of that as a kid, like, man, I've got a really big test in school tomorrow, and I didn't study. Lord, tonight would be the night. Come on, Jesus, let's go. And I'll be in heaven and just forget the math test. I don't even need that. All right? So there was one extreme where you hear people, even older saints in the Lord, and they're almost like trying to get rid of this life. If I can just be with Jesus. But wait a second. Isn't he the one that said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So he is with us, and our days are in his hand. My times, the psalmist said, are in your hands. So I don't have to worry my life away. I don't have to wish my life away. That's the other extreme is people worry and fret and just, they're just so panicking over it. Those are both wrong. We want to respond in worship. The words of Jesus were taken to heart by his disciples, recorded for our benefit. Matthew chapter 24, verse 6. This is how we're going to know how to live right now in the present for God's glory and the good of all peoples. Jesus said, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not the way you are most people in the United States of America today and the world. Alarmed. Ah! Panic. For Jesus says this, read it with me, must take place but the end not yet not yet calm down okay he's given you this is what's coming so don't panic mark 13 verse 7 jesus says and when you hear of wars and rumors of wars do not be alarmed this must take place but the end is not yet so he was very clear about this so when we enter into the study of end times that's what eschatology is all right big word eschatology but it just simply means studying last things how's everything and i had somebody once tell me like i don't think people are interested in this i don't think that revelation is appropriate to study in the church i don't think that really helps people and i'm like really have you checked out how much money marvel made on the end of the world movies how it all ends i'll let you do that work on your own it's a lot so we don't have to stumble blindly through the coming days we don't have to become obsessed with knowing the future okay people checking their horoscopes Insulting demonic realm about the future. But I need you to understand, listen to me, church, that we have, as the church, been living in the end times, the last days, since Jesus rose from the dead, ascended, and the Spirit came. We've been in the last days. Hebrews 1, verse 1, the writer says, Long ago, at many times, and in many ways, talking about the Old Testament, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. Verse 2, but in these last days. 
he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the Alpha and the Omega. It's right there. Jesus is not some good prophet, a good teacher. He's the Son of God through whom came everything, by him, for him, and to him. So loved ones, we're not going to waste our lives if we study God's word rightly. If we study God's word rightly, then it fuels our worship of Jesus. So you keep those, you hear those words I have? We're not going to worry our lives away. We're not going to wish our lives away, but instead we're going to respond as worshipers of Jesus. That's how we'll invest our lives. That's how we'll make the most of, of our life today for eternity. So as we study this book, there's some things that, that God wants us to know. As your pastor, there's some things that I know God wants us to feel. It's not just intellectual. It's not just head knowledge. It's not to just win a debate with somebody about end times. There's some things that we need to feel. It needs to be visceral to us, and then it can't stay there, or we just become juggernauts in, in, in heads, okay? Big heads, fat heads. We have to become those who apply the word of God, and that's where it actually hits the point. It's for a purpose, to do something. So as you see there in your notes, now is the time. Today, right now, now is the time for us. So our prayer is not that we say, well, tomorrow, well, next year, well, I'm going to get my things together, you know, in my, uh-uh. Right now is the time for us to, number one, behold the glory of the divine being that we see here. Revelation is all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. And that unfolds in, in the... <clears throat> try that again. Ran out of fuel. That unfolds in the first opening line. Like the stage is set. That's the title of the message. The, the stage is all set. Everything's ready. The curtain's closed. And in Revelation, you get a sneak peek of what's to come. As a child of God, we long for Christ to be vindicated. And that, that's what this is all about. It's about the unveiling of Jesus Christ. This is the main point of Revelation. It's the unveiling of Jesus Christ. It's the main point. That's what the word means, and we're going to see that. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The type of literature, and I mentioned it a moment ago, moment ago there's apocalyptic literature. It's a revelation. That's the word apocalypsis. Apocalypsis is the word. It's to expose in full view that which was previously hidden. Apocalypse. Okay, that word is used a lot. People go through fires, they go through times of volcanoes, hurricane, and this word comes up. Looks like an apocalypse happened here. Movies try to replicate that. It was previously hidden, veiled, or secret, but Revelation pulls back and unveils it so that we can see it. It's also a testimony. It's a testimony. It's prophetic. That's another type of literature. It's prophetic that John is giving to us the testimony. He's given the record. He's given the news. He's given the report of all that he sees. 
that word would become associated, martyria, would become associated with martyr. That if you tell about Jesus' life, death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and his coming, then we'll kill you. And followers of Christ throughout 2,000 years have said, then I'm not going to deny him. Take my life, but I'm not going to deny this is the message, this is the truth. I'm going to witness to the truth. And this is also a prophecy. It's a prophetic book. So there's different types of literature in here. Apocalyptic, prophetic, and it's a letter. It's a letter that John is writing to the churches. And so it's helpful for us to get the glimpse of what is here in the prologue of this letter so that we rightly understand how to read it, how to understand it. The date of writing, as I mentioned, was probably about A.D. 94 to 96. What's the purpose of this book? It's, because it's given for us to see the story of God's redemption is coming to its completion. The curse will finally, that began in Genesis, will finally be reversed. And God and good and righteousness and justice will prevail. And all of the people of God long for that. Even people that don't know Christ, they have in their own conscience a desire for justice, but then they define what justice is. And usually it's law for you, grace for me. You messed up, we'll not talk about my mess ups. That's not Christianity. The purpose of this book is to see Jesus the way he truly is. For this book, this revelation is for him, it's from him, and it's of him, or it's all about him. It says that the revelation of Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus. It's from him, it's for him, it's of him, it's about him. Know that he will return and he will reign. So my prayer is that you and I will receive encouragement that will sustain us through every trial and every time of persecution. As a child of God, you're not meant to just survive. We're meant to thrive according to God's standards. We also see here as we see the glory of Christ unfolding this chain, the chain of revelation. It's right here in the first verse. It's inspired by the Spirit of God, so we're already seeing the triune God at work in this, the Father, the Son, inspired by the Spirit. But there's a five-fold chain, the Father to the Son, the Son to the angel, the angel to John, John to the churches. You see, the Father loves the Son. This is my beloved Son, the Father said in whom I am well pleased, and he hadn't done any ministry yet in his baptism. That in Christ, the the Father in heaven says that over his children. I love them. They're beloved. And it isn't when you have good days and bad days. He loves you all the time. He loves you the same, and he is growing you and perfecting you and me so that we grow up into the image, the full stature of Christ. The Father Loves the Son. The Son is submitted to the Father. That's what he says here. Which God gave him. The Father gave Christ. It's a gift. The Father loves to give to the Son and the Son is submitted to the Father. It's carried by the angel. 
he made it known or gave the sign by sending his angel, this messenger through whom the revelation came to John. Let's talk a little bit about angels. We're going to see angels throughout the book of Revelation. There are holy angels and there are fallen angels, also known as demons. There's a demonic realm. There's a war that ends in Satan's total ruin and it unfolds in this final book of the Bible. Why would a Christian not want to know about that? If you were coaching and you knew how it's all going to end in the victory, wouldn't you want to say, I want to study that playbook? I want to know that. Because that's going to give me confidence that I don't have to panic in timeout one, two, or three, or between quarter one and two. Oh, wait, coach, I thought you said that we win. Oh, yeah, that's right. Why are you panicking? But you got to play the game. Get on the field. Right? There's God's sovereignty and our responsibility all at play here. We pray, as Jesus taught us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And holy angels do the will of God. They do the will of God. They serve him and they carry out his orders, but then there are the demons and they don't. And they will be defeated. That whole demonic realm. Angels are powerful. They're glorious. Fallen angels and holy angels have no shot at being redeemed. They will not be redeemed. Holy angels, they observe the work of the redemption in the lives of human beings. And I want you to understand this. Human beings, angels, holy, fallen. Two different kinds of beings. Okay, so you, sometimes, sadly, people say, my loved one died, and now they have become my angel. What's wrong with that? Angels do not know redemption. Angels that followed Satan, cast out of heaven, will never be redeemed. They are bound to be eternally doomed. Okay? And holy angels, they aren't redeemed either. They're in the presence of God, but listen to what Peter wrote, 1 Peter 1, verse 12. It was revealed to them, and here he's speaking about Old Testament prophets, that they were serving not themselves but you in the things that have now been announced to you. That's by the New Testament apostles. Through, whose, through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And now look at this note. This is where I want your attention to be. Things into which angels long to look the holy angels and fallen angels are watching what we're doing right here but they can't experience it okay satan the accuser of the brethren he doesn't even have to lie about me before the father in heaven do you know what kind of guy he is you know what he does he doesn't know what i think he doesn't know inside nor do holy angels god knows that but these angels, they simply, they look into what is this plan of redemption that we're watching, but we'll never be part of. Jesus said it this way in Luke 15, 10. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God. Notice, it's not angels rejoicing in heaven. It's, there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels in heaven. 
over one sinner who repents. So angels are watching, and what that is all happening, I don't know, but angels are spectators to our redemption. They watch this unfold. Angels were waiting when Jesus was suspended between heaven and earth, and Jesus could have whispered one command, and they would have been dispatched to be done with us, and it never came. So angels were there, and they were looking at the Father. They were watching the Son. They were watching the most traumatic event of all human history of all time and they were ready to come rescue not that he needed them but they knew we'll take care of him we'll take care of these people what is this plan of redemption this is so confusing but he never ushered the word he never said come he never said die he said and said what did he, what did he say what did he say father Send the angels? No. Forgive them. What? So angels, they will not experience redemption. So we don't ever say rightly about loved ones when they pass away, they become angels because they're two different kinds of beings. And it's very confusing. So I want to keep that separate. To the apostle John, this letter is given. This revelation is given. And listen well, how he describes himself here, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. Now, he uses that word. He doesn't here say the apostle John, the beloved disciple of the Lord. He doesn't say that. Instead, he uses this significant word, doulos, slave. It was a common term in the first century. So many people in the Roman Empire were slaves. Someone once had an idea, let's make all the slaves wear uniforms. And then they thought about the sheer numbers and they're like, that would be a bad idea because they'll all look around and say, there's more of us than there are of them and we're not doing that. So that, that idea got canned. That hit the file 13. It's given to the Apostle John. To be a doulos is very different than to be an employee. Okay? Because some of you are employees in several different jobs. Or you work a job and another job opens up better and then you go to that job and you leave the other job behind. If you are a slave, you're owned. Your will is not your own, it's your master's will. And John doesn't here say, I'm the apostle, I'm the beloved, I'm the one Jesus, he, he, you know, I, I was the one leaning on his, on his breast that night at the, at the last supper. That's me. He says, I'm a slave. I'll do anything he wants me to do. I'll say anything he wants me to say. And it's written to the church, to those who hear. He bears witness to the word of God, to the testimony of Jesus Christ. And there's a blessing here. This is given out to the church. It's going to the churches. That saints are those who have been set apart. We've been called out declared righteous by Christ, not by anything we have done, but account of all that he has done through his life, his death, his burial, and resurrection. So secondly, not only should we behold the glory of the divine being of Jesus and don't miss him, but secondly, feel the weight of the divine burden. Feel the weight of the divine burden. Revelation is a monumental message. 
Now, prophecy always contains a near and far aspect of fulfillment. If you're reading through the yearly plan together, we just came through Isaiah 53, the suffering servant. Most Jewish people today do not read that passage because it is so unmistakably Christ-centered. But prophecy always contains a near and far fulfillment. So when Jesus came and they were waiting on Messiah and they were feeling him out and then he didn't come with the power that they wanted. He didn't grab at power. He didn't try to overthrow Rome and so they weren't interested because they believed when Messiah comes, he's going to reign and rule and we're ready to reign and rule and be at the top of the pecking order. And Jesus didn't come the first time to conquer. He came to be crucified and that didn't fit with their human understanding. Prophecy has a near and far fulfillment. So he came the first time and he's going to come again. And there's some things in Revelation that we're going to see. And what I believe is the next event to happen on the calendar is Christ to return for his church. And then there will be a return. So there's still a near and far fulfillment just as he came the first time. He will come again for his church and then he will come to reign and to rule. Loved ones, It goes without saying, but I think we need to write it down. The revelation of Jesus is important. Okay, This book is the climax of God's story of redemption. And we probably would do well to ask ourselves the question, have we engaged enough in this book? Have we studied enough? Have I read this book enough? Have you ever watched a movie that just ended horribly? Not, it, like, it just complete out of left field. It didn't resolve. It just left it shattered. You know, it just broken at the end. And you just like, what? Let me, let me make the movie and rewrite it and write the story that it ends well. In our hearts, that's what we long for. We long for the story to end well to end righteously. God's story will end with Christ as the obvious champion of the world. And every eye will see him. Answers in Genesis, many of us have been there. They have in their museum, they have the seven seas of history. It's a helpful graphic. Creation, God made all things. James talked about that this morning. By his word, created us with his hands. Then what happened? Sin, Genesis 3, corruption. Then catastrophe, the flood in Genesis 6. God poured out his judgment through water on our sin as a people. Then we see confusion, that's the Tower of Babel, where nations are separated, languages, peoples are separated. And you come to the New Testament and they're waiting on throughout the whole Old Testament, Christ, the anointed one, Messiah. And he comes, but instead of taking the crown, he goes the cross. And he's crucified and he's buried and he rises again and he ascends. And it's everything is going to where we're at, from Genesis to Revelation, the consummation, the coronation. The waiting day when Jesus will be vindicated and everyone in Jesus says we knew it all along. And there will be many who will say, 
He is Lord and it's too late. I missed that opportunity and I'm praying that that's no one here today. We sing the song, no power of hell, no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ. I stand. There's, there's a point to our faith. It's not to just know more. It's not to learn more and have more information. It's transformation. It always is. So yes, it's important, but is, the return of Christ is imminent. The return of Christ is imminent. Yes, it's important. The revelation is important, but his return will be soon. It will be sudden. It's certain. Here we see a glimpse of all that is to come in the rest of the book. We'll read of the things that must soon take place. That word soon, tacos, almost sounds a little bit like tacos. makes me hungry, all right? But tacos, it can be translated shortly, about to happen, or also speedily. And, and both really apply to Christ's return. It will be unexpected by most, not ready, caught off guard. Wait, I was going to do this, and I was going to get that together. And then I was, of course I love Jesus, and I respect Jesus, and I was going to get my life and my kids raised and my things and the sports and all the things that we had going on, and then I was going to get there. His return will be sudden. Unexpected by so many people, not ready. Jesus even gave a parable on that, about the virgins who were not ready. The first century church, loved ones, was at a crossroads. I've already mentioned these churches that we're going to look at, they were, they were tempted. Just, just tone down your message. Stop telling people that Jesus is the only way. It's not really that big of a deal to be morally pure. And, and, you know, all of these things in the Roman Empire, and there's this group, the Christians, the followers of the way, the followers of Jesus of Nazareth. And they're just these, these rogue people, right? And all they had to do was just, just tone down your message. Stop talking about sin. Compromise. And everything will be okay, and you can live your nice little lives and you'll be fine, and we'll all just get along. How is that said in our day? It's when people do things, say things, and they say, I want to be on the right side of history. It's where they want to be received well by people, and then the truth of Scripture begins to take away all other footing that's sinking sand, and it reveals, are you standing on Christ, or are you standing on culture? culture will change and civilizations will fall. They always have. I sat on Shah Jahan's throne. He's gone. He didn't defend me. I sat right on it. Take my picture. Civilizations come and go. Christ's kingdom is and will forever be. He reigns. Matthew 16, verse 26, Jesus talked about counting the cost. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Well, I just want to be liked by people. I just want my kids to like me. I just want my coworkers to like me. They have souls. 
what is the truth? Oh, may God help us to speak the truth in love. To be kind and truthful. Verse three, we see the time is near. So it's unexpected, but the return of Christ is also unpredictable. Yes, we're closer today to the return of Christ than John was in the first century. But the church is always held to the belief that Christ can return at any moment. We don't know when, but we know we're to live every moment in light of eternity. So anyone who comes along, and they do, they always have, and they always will. Jehovah's Witnesses, 1914, Jesus is coming. We passed that one up by a hundo, right? And so they had to revise, remake, reshape. No, well, we got that wrong. It's going to be another date. It's going to be another date. Whew, I don't know what calculator are we using here. Okay, but you think that out of the evangelical movement comes the 88 reasons. I remember this book, 88 reasons why Christ would return in 1988. Well, that hasn't aged well, okay? And then recently, you know, people get the billboards. Oh, Y2K, that was a big one, you know. Well, what does Jesus say? Mark 13, 32, write it down. But concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Ooh, 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 but I have a webpage and a TV ministry. Benny Hen, three weeks ago. The next event, world peace. Israel will be at peace with everyone. Two weeks later, don't send your money to guys like that. Concerning that day or that hour, no one knows. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son, but only the Father. But here comes Bob somebody or Tom or whoever out of wherever writing another book. And people, what do they do? They follow him. They go after him. Well, he's really nice, you know? Like, yeah, Jesus said no. So I'm going to go with Jesus. Listen to what other writers, here's what Paul, the Apostle Paul said. For us to know the time, Romans 13, 11. Besides, you know this time, you know the time, that the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. All right, there's your verse, parents, for all you kids, right? Wake up from sleep. But he's not talking about that we're sleeping. He's talking like believers are living like they're asleep. They're living like people who don't know Christ. And he's saying, by the Spirit of God, wake it up. Know what time it is. You know what time it is. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. If you've been a believer for one year, your redemption is one year closer. Five years, 50 years, you're that much closer to your full and complete, Philippians 1.6, finishing all that he began in you. Paul writes 2 Timothy 3.12, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted while evil people and imposters will go on from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. And every generation, well, this is bad. Can't get any worse than this. Read your Bible. It can and it will. The Apostle Peter, he says, watch out because there's going to be an intensity of people who mock the truth and they run hard after sin. 
2 Peter 3, 3. Knowing this first of all, don't miss this. He's put this up there at the top of what you know. That scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing. That's what they do. Following their own what's at the heart. I want to do what I want to do. I want to be king of my life. And if Jesus wants to play along with my charade, then I'll let him. Can that Jesus save your soul from hell? That's an invention in your mind. He doesn't exist. And people will come with sinful desires. They will say, verse 4, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. For they deliberately overlook this fact that the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through the water by the word of God and that by means of these, the world that then existed was deluged with water and perished. Things haven't always been the same since the beginning. God judged sin and isn't it odd that the rainbow is used by people rejecting God's creation plan and his order? Things, they know it, and they know it in the heart. But they want to live sinful lives. So what does he say? Verse 7, but by the same word, the heavens and earth that now exist are stored up for serious global warming. Isn't it interesting that all of the people that are so devoted to global warming don't read their Bibles and let that bring a sense of fire being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly? Loved ones, newsflash, you're not going to save the planet. Be a good steward because that's what we are commanded to do in Genesis, but you're not going to save the planet. Noah built a boat and he saved his family obeying the word of God. He didn't save anything else. Only the things that God spared on that ark. And the only people who are saved are those who go in through the I am the door, Jesus, and you trust in him. That's our way of salvation. Jude, he writes verse 17, but you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. In the, it's these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit. Seen any of those lately on YouTube? Scrolling through social media, mocking the Word of God. Apostle John also gave us this letter, writes to his beloved children, believers, 1 John 2.18, children. It is the last hour, and as you, have, as, as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore, we know it is the last hour. The time is near. Are you ready? Thirdly, live in the joy of divine blessing. Now is the time, okay? We're not going to wish away our lives. We're not going to worry our, our lives away, but we're going to worship right now. We're going to live in the joy of divine blessing Revelation is for our good. This book is for our good. This message is for our good. And there is a blessing. And John ends with, and it almost sounds like the Beatitudes when Jesus taught. They're the Sermon on the Mount. And this book ends with blessing. 
There's a blessing. First of all, he says it's a threefold blessing. There's a blessing for the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. Revelation was written to the churches. It was for the universal church at large. It would have been read aloud. Not many in the first century could read. And so it was important that the person reading would read the word clearly, would read it loud enough that you could hear, and they would read it accurately. The pastors would read or leaders of the churches so that everyone could hear. Everyone. Every socioeconomic person, whatever level they were, wealthy, poor, men, women, children, hear the word of the Lord. Listen to the word of the Lord. It's of utmost importance for the scriptures to be read clearly, accurately, and faithfully. And then we are to declare them truthfully. That's why you have your Bibles open. You search the scriptures. You see, is, is that what I'm reading? Is, is, that what it, is that what it says? Am I being led astray or am I being told the truth? Is the message being imposed on scripture or brought out of exposed from scripture? It's Christ-centered preaching. I truly do need and want the Lord's blessing as we enter into this book. And anyone else who stands to deliver from this pulpit the word, I want the blessing of the Lord. I want the text to drive the study and not our emotions, not our feelings, not current events. Paul set the example for church leaders when he told the Ephesian elders, and he set this out for Timothy as well. Acts 20 and verse 27. He said the last time he was going to see them on this planet, he said, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I told you everything. That takes a little bit of time. That's my aim. 2 Timothy 4.2, he says to Timothy, hey, young protege, my apprentice, I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, you hear revelation there? His coming. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. Don't lose heart. Don't lose heart, young man. So I need you to pray for me. Preaching is not a spectator sport. Preaching is a preacher declaring the word of God and a people coming ready to hear, to receive, and respond rightly to the word of God. There's a blessing for those who read aloud. There's a blessing, it says, for those who hear the words of this prophecy. So then, why would we want to keep from this? I'm I'm, I'm just kind of thinking out loud here. Why would we want to stay away from Revelation if there's actually a divine blessing for the one who reads it aloud? There's a blessing for the one who hears it. Why would we want to stay from this? Stay back. Too much blessing going on around here. We don't need any more blessing. No, there's actually a blessing for you being here today under the reading of the word. There's actually a divine blessing that the Lord has promised for those who will hear his word. That God's people, listen, we set our priorities, our schedules, our agendas according to heaven's agenda. Our week functions out of worship. That this is the time and this is the place and everything is subservient to I gather with my church family to worship my God and this is all choir practice for heaven one day and we'll be in his presence and there will be no more confusion and I'll have Jesus, love you Pastor Wise, you can sit down, we got Jesus, all right? And I'll say, woo, yeah, Jesus, you take it, all right? That's the point, even in the Lord's table, the next time perhaps with Christ, 
So this lifts our heads up. This should encourage us. This shows us what we're not going to go through and endure. And it sets our feet firmly to intercede and to pray for and to engage with those who don't know Christ around us because there's a blessing for those who keep what is written in it. More than just hearing it, but keeping it. The word is tereo. Tereo. It means to guard, to watch, to protect. It's a stronger word than just obey. Okay, because you can have, you know, you can have somebody obey. Oh, fine. Okay, I'll do it. You know, fine. But that's not really guarding, protecting, keeping, watching over. This word, Jesus says, go therefore make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, to reo, keep it. Everything that we hear, Lord, help me to keep that. Help me to guard that. It's not just, fine, I'll do it because I'm your servant. No, no, no. Observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There's a blessing. Revelation 22, the end of this book. And behold, verse 7, I am coming soon. Blessed is the one who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. It's not just knowing more. It's not just hearing and learning more. It's that we put it into practice. We apply it. We obey it. We keep it. We guard it. Can I ask you the pointed question this morning? Who rules your life? Who's in charge of your life? Who do you submit to? Is King Jesus in charge of your life or some imposter which could include you? Mark 1, this is Jesus, outset of his ministry. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Read it with me. Repent and believe in the gospel. That's the message, loved ones. Have you obeyed Jesus? Have you repented of your sin and believed in the gospel of the Lord Jesus? Disciples of the Lord will obey their Lord and Master. We're not just hearers. James, the half-brother of Jesus, he says it this way, 122, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Interestingly, I've told you before, that was the first message I ever preached was James 122, 23, 24. I'll never forget it. I haven't always obeyed it. I've wanted to obey it. Haven't always been a doer. But not just hearing, but do it. For anyone, verse 23, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, <laughs> wow, your hair is messed up, stuffing the teeth, and then he just moves on. I gotta go. I don't have time to fix it. He goes away and at once forgets what he's like, and everybody else is looking at what he's like. You, you, you skipped a step getting ready this morning, didn't you? But, verse 25, the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts. Read it with me. He will be blessed. Well, I'll wait till that catches up. Is it there? Not there. Okay, well, I'll tell you what it is then, all right? He will be blessed in his doing. The blessing is in the doing. The blessing is not on whatever I want God to bless. The blessing is in my life when I'm doing what God has called me to do. 
So let's summarize this right now, today, here and now. It's the time for us. It's the time for us to behold the glory of Jesus, the divine being. It's to feel the weight of the divine burden. We're going to climb this mountain together and to live in the joy of divine blessing. Respond with urgency. Let me ask you this question. What's your next step? What's your next step of discipleship? What's your next step in following? Are you listening to me? Don't, don't be distracted. This is too important. I know there's some things distracting going on. I don't want you to be distracted. What is your next step in following Jesus? And let me follow that up with a very strong, when are you going to do that? Because some of you are saying next week, next year, sometime, and you aren't guaranteed that. You are not guaranteed more time than he's given you today. So don't presume upon the grace of God and procrastinate to your own demise. If you've never trusted in Jesus, this book, this message, the Spirit of God is calling you today. Repent and believe in the gospel. Will you stand with me? Oh, Father in heaven, you have given us your precious and most powerful word. And his name is Jesus, the word made flesh who came and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the Father full of grace and truth. And Jesus, you came and you lived the life that we could never live. And you died the death that I deserve to die. And you rose to life again. And you are at the right hand of your Father. And you will be coming. You will be coming soon. And yes, many people mock that and they dismiss that. And it's so easy for us even to live as if that is not true. But forgive us of living a lie. Forgive us of being those who are not living as would please you. And for the one or maybe more today who has never repented of their sins and trusted in you, God, grant them repentance and faith today. And we'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you again for listening to Teaching from the Word at Grace Community Church. We are located in Richmond, Michigan. You can find us online at mygracechurch.com. Please subscribe and follow us at My Grace Church. It would be greatly appreciated if you would take a moment to rate, like, and share this message. We want you to always remember that you are loved.